is there is no spar race. Oh, yeah, now New Yorkers. It's good to be here. Happy Father's Day to you, everyone. We are glad to have you here today. I'm just kind of getting adjusted here for a moment. Uh, real quick, uh, this upcoming Wednesday, we're going to have Steve Kennard. He's going to be coming and preaching for us at midweek. Amen. It's going to be a great time. And uh, he is one of the teachers in the kingdom. He's going to give a great lesson on the Holy Spirit and talk more about the Holy Spirit. So I really want to encourage any and everyone to be able to come out and to be a part of our Wednesday service. And as talked about earlier, this next Sunday is our Latin service, all New York City Latin uh, worship service, amen, 11 o'clock. Also means Harlem is going to be here with us. Uh, So uh, please come early, let's have some great fellowship and a great time. Uh, But this being Father's Day, I would like to have all the fathers please stand up for a moment as we can thank you, all the fathers in the group. Amen. We have a little, we have a little something for you. So as uh, as these younger kids are handing these out, please take one after you get get one. Go ahead and take a seat. Uh, but we after you get after you get your encouragement here, girls, just go ahead and pass them on. Just hand them to the dad. Everybody that's standing up there, you can only have one, Felix. Let's take one, have a seat. Amen. Again, as I said earlier, please make sure you pick up a calendar. There's a calendar for July and August. We want to make sure everybody's on the same page. So next month, the month of July, we will not have any Wednesday midweek services. So let me repeat this, because if you're not listening, you're going to be knocking on the door. Ain't nobody going to answer. The month of July, we will not have any midweek services. It's on your calendar here, on the calendars that we have here. We will still have our Friday singles uh, dinner party that's going to happen on the 6th, and Manhattan and Harlem will join us for that. That would be a great time. We'll still have Solid Rock, but there will be no Wednesday midweeks in July. Now, starting in August, we're going to a men's and women's midweek. So on one side is July, the next side is August. So please grab one of these. All you have to do is just take the one that's in your booklet that we've given you, take that out, put this in. Now you're set for the rest of the year. So please make sure you have a calendar so you'll know what's going on. But I do want to share a couple of exciting things with us before I go into the lessons. I appreciate what Juan shared. Uh, Again, last year, uh, the Barks gave about 140, and then this year we've already come to about 160,000. And and, and the thing for me is it's not about the money. Because when I first talked about it, it was a stretch for people's faith in the very beginning. But as the Bible says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You put your treasure in the Bronx. You put your treasure in God's church. And I truly believe that is where our hearts are also. Winning the souls in the Bronx and winning the souls for the church. Amen? Now speaking of winning souls, uh, if you were here earlier today, 
around 8 o'clock this morning, we had a sister added to God's kingdom. And uh, Devin Lilly, would you please stand up? This is Devin. I'd like for everybody to meet Devin. Good to have her here. She had her family all out here with her. Grandpa, everything. It was a great time. We had a great Sunday service. Before Sunday service, had a great Sunday service. So it's encouraging when you can come a little early. You just never know what's going to happen. But today being Father's Day, I want to have a lesson for us here. Uh, in a magazine I was reading entitled Focus on the Family, James Dodson once told of a time his two-year-old son Ryan said grace before a meal. This is what he said. He had watched his mother and me pray before we ate each meal, but he'd never been asked to say grace. One day when I was out of town on a business trip, my wife spontaneously turned to our toddler and asked if he would like to pray. The invitation startled him, but he folded his little hands, bowed his head, and said reverently, I love you, Daddy. Amen. Now, what is so special about this? One, he was saying, yes, he loved his dad. And yes, he loved God. But in this two-year-old's mind, God was his daddy. And that's how he functioned. God was his daddy. You know, the Bible talks a lot to us about God being our father. In Isaiah 63, uh, verse 16, Isaiah 63, verse 16, it says to us here, But you are a father, though Abraham does not know us, or Israel acknowledges you, O Lord, are our father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. The Bible talks in Isaiah how God is our Father. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Matthew 5, verse 16. Amen, little kid. Yes. It starts early. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, even when the disciples came to Jesus and asked, teach us to pray, what did he say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Time and time again, the Bible addresses God as our Father. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 15. Romans 8, 15. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. God is our Heavenly Father. And it's obvious that it's meant that our earthly fathers should be a physical representation of who God is. In the days of Moses, God was the father of Israel. But Moses was God's representative. And because of that, Moses became the physical father figure for Israel. In other words, when Moses spoke, he spoke the words of God. When Moses led, he led in the, God, the, the direction God wanted him to go. Every aspect of Moses' life reflected the life God wanted the Israelites to imitate. You see, that's what a father figure is all about. A father figure is someone that helps us grow up to be special. And our earthly fathers were meant to be father figures for us of who God is really is. He wanted our earthly fathers to model for us a representation of God. So God designed to have fathers make a significant impact in their children's lives. Now, 
Many of you guys know George Foreman, the boxer, the, 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 the Foreman Grills. He grew up never knowing who his father was. And when he got married, he ended up having a lot of kids. He had five boys. And you know what he did? He named each of his five boys George. All of them are named George. Because he never wanted them to wonder who his father was. He understood the importance of a father figure. George Foreman has made more on those George Foreman grills than he did all his boxing career. But he wanted to make sure each of his kids knew George, George, George. Need to know who their father was. And God understands the value of a father figure. Look at what he says in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Now I want to talk about God's view of a father figure. Not the world's. Because the world's view of a father figure is, is, is skewed up. But God gives us clear instruction on having a father figure. Now as I talk about this, there are a lot of single moms who play the role of dad as well. So this isn't just a man sermon. This is a sermon for those because there are a lot of mothers who have to take on the father figure role in their child's life. And this is what the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 5. Okay, we'll start at verse 4. The little baby said go to verse 4. So we'll go to verse 4. Exodus 20, verse 4. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation and of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You know, God warns fathers that there are some serious consequences, serious outcomes for those that hate him, those that show idolatry to their kids. But he also says there's a thousand generations of blessings to the fathers that live the righteous life. You look at this, and this is a very challenging scripture. Look over in 1 Kings chapter 11. I want to show you exactly what he's saying here. 1 Kings chapter 11. He's calling us to live the right example. Now in 1 Kings 11, we're told that Solomon angered God by worshiping the different gods of his many wives. And that God had warned him, not just once, but twice, not to do that. But Solomon still refused to listen. So this is what God said in 1 Kings 11 verse 10. Although he commanded, had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now here's something interesting. God told Solomon, don't do this, don't do this. But Solomon, he didn't obey God's instruction. So God said, you know what, I'm going to tear the kingdom away, but it's not going to happen in your lifetime. Not because Solomon did anything great, but he said, I'm not going to do this because of your father, David. And when you're, I'm going to tear it away from your kids, but I'm not going to take all the kingdoms from him. I'm going to give him one left. Not because you did anything great, Solomon, but because of your father, David. So because of David's obedience, not only did David's son, but now David's grandson is kind of under this umbrella of blessings because of David's righteous life. 
This is what God was telling them. I'm going to bless you for generations and generations on if you live a righteous life. So Solomon kind of got off the hook and even his son because of their grandfather's righteous life that they lived. This is, again, one of the promises that God gives us. If we live the right life, not only will we be blessed, but our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, and then just keep going down the line. You say, well, I didn't have a father in my life. Or maybe I didn't, and he was absent a lot. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. My father was not one that had, he didn't say many words. He, he grunted a lot. Uh, he never said, I love you. I don't remember him ever once telling me that. Uh, after I became a disciple, I told him, I love you, and he said, ditto. Uh, that was his response to me. But you know what? Every weekend, he took me hunting or fishing. Every weekend. That kept me out of a lot of trouble. Because I knew at 4.30 in the morning, I was getting up to go hunting or fishing, so I wasn't doing nothing crazy on Friday. But every time we go out, I've never seen him drink. So I never drank. Even when I was studying the Bible... I was in college, they're like, wait a minute, you mean you don't drink? You're a college athlete and you don't drink. I said, no, I don't drink. Not because I was righteous by any means, but because I never saw my father drink, so I didn't want to drink. My father smoked, but I didn't want to smoke because he got lung cancer. He had to have one lung removed and continue to smoke. That's what eventually killed him, uh, cancer from smoking. So I didn't drink because I didn't see him drink, and I didn't smoke because I saw him smoking and knew that's not the way I wanted to go. So just by watching his lifestyle, it changed my lifestyle and molded me into a different kind of person. So whether or not your father was always around or sometimes, God says, you know what? Look at what it says here in Psalm 68, verse 5. Psalm 68, verse 5. He makes it clear for all of us. So it's... It's not just simply my dad, my dad, but he says this. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. If you didn't have a father in your life, or maybe he wasn't even the best father you could have had, God says, I want to fix that. I want to become the dad that you need in your life. You say, well, wait a minute, I need a physical dad. He says, you know what, I'm going to place you in the kingdom of God. And you will have multiple examples of great physical dads in your life. You know, I appreciate uh, a couple of weeks ago, Larry Craig, our elder from New Jersey, came over and he preached. And he's raised a, a great family. And it's not just about his kids being faithful, but he has a great marriage, a great family there. One of the reasons I wanted to move to New York is because I thought, I have two daughters. They're both pretty. I know what it's going to be like. I do not want to do man one, 15 to life. Mess with some of these boys. So I need to be around somebody who also has two daughters and has gone through what I've gone through. I've got Sam Powell. I want to be around Sam Powell because he can help me in my thinking. Because I sure was thinking, as long as I got my pistol and a lot of land, I can take care of any situation. But you know what? <laughs> I ain't lying, though. I think I'm lying. I ain't lying. I got friends. But... That's another story. Last Wednesday, Troy Figueroa did a, a great job in his lesson. He is a great father figure. But I look around. I think of Merwin, how he shared he has a quiet time with his daughter every day reading the Bible. I look at George Boyce. I mean, there are so many father figures here that we can look at and be encouraged by. If you are a dad and you're still in the fight, you are a good father figure. 
You may not have it all together. You may not have everything on point, but you are still in the battle. You are a good father figure to have. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 18. For the better part of 40 years, Moses had led the people of Israel. So for 40 years, Moses had been the father figure for Israel. And now God makes Moses and Israel a specific promise. He says in chapter 18, verse 17, The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I commanded. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. You know, at this point, God says, I'm going to raise up somebody like Moses. He's going to be a normal person from Israel to lead the Israelites, and he's going to be a father figure for them. But he's just going to be a normal person. Not some extravagant person, just a normal person. And you know, that's exactly what he did. He rose up the Messiah to come and to lead the people. Look in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 19. First we look at John the Baptist as he's out there teaching and preaching. It says, Now this was a testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests to Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight paths for the Lord. So they went to Isaiah, they went to John and they said, well, who are you? Are you the prophet? He says, I'm not. But what were they talking about, the prophet? They remembered that, that word that God spoke back in Deuteronomy, that I will raise up someone to be like you, Moses. To lead the people. That's what they remembered. He said they're going to raise up a prophet. So they were looking for that prophet for years and generations and generations. When Jesus came, they thought, oh, that is the Messiah? Look in Acts chapter 3. In Acts 3, we're told about Peter and John going to the temple to pray when they encountered and healed a man who was lame from birth. And naturally, this drew a crowd around them. But Peter preached these words to them, Acts three seventeen. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as you... As did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets. Saying that this Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God. So that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Christ who has been appointed to you. Even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes. For God to restore everything as he promised long ago. Through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like men from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Did you catch what he was saying here? Peter's telling them plainly, Jesus was the prophet, the promise by Moses. The prophet would be like Moses, leading God's people. He would be like Moses, teaching God's people. And the prophet would be like Moses in being a father figure to all. Jesus is that father figure for us to look at. Look in John 14. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but that's what happens when you go to a Bible-based church. John 14, verse 9. But Philip came and said, Lord, show us the father, in verse 8, and that will be enough for us. Then he told him in verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? 
Even after I have been with you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is many things, but one of the things he is, is an example for each of us of what our Father in Heaven is like. Not only in that way, but he's an example for every husband. He talks about it in Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He's not just an example when it comes to parenting, but he's an example of how to be a great husband, how to be a great man. He's an example with the kids. If you think about it, what did Jesus say? Again, he said, bring the kids to me in Mark chapter 8. People were rebuking the families for bringing kids to Jesus, wasting his time. Jesus said, no, 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 let the little children come to me. He loved the kids. I don't think it will ever be an issue of Jesus serving in his kingdom. I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. Jesus loved the children. I'm sure he would have signed up every time early to make sure he can go in there and serve and teach the kids. Jesus protected the weak. He protected those that were struggling. You know, honestly, the only people Jesus had issues with were the bully religious leaders who were bullying everybody else. But again, is that not what a father should do? Protect his children from the bullies of the world. Jesus is an example of a father figure for every single one of us. Jesus is saying, if the Heavenly Father says it, then I'm going to do it. Look at John chapter 8. John 8, verse 27. I guess we're casting out demons today, huh? John 8, 27. They did not understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. You know, this is an example again for each of us. Dad, when your children hear you, do you say things that they should repeat? Do you say things that you feel encouraged if you heard them tell your friends? Do they say things that are encouraging or discouraging the most? You know, this is exactly what an earthly father should say. I'm not going to say anything that God doesn't tell me to say. Things I say need to come from the Word of God. God's Word says it, that's the way it is. God's Word says don't steal. Son, you need to take that back and apologize. Take it right back to the store and tell them you stole it. You know what an earthly father would do? You know what, daughter? I don't appreciate the way you're talking to your mother. You're being too sassy, and you're talking back to her. You do not treat your mother like that. You need to go apologize. See, that's what a, a, a godly father would do. Well, then I'm going to have issues with my daughter, but I love my little daughter. But what are you raising? Are you raising a godly daughter or one that thinks she can be disrespectful to her mom and any other woman that doesn't go the way she thinks things should go? And this is a story about how a godly father should conduct himself. A Christian whose cousin was living with her boyfriend, he really loved his cousin, but he went to her and he said, what you're doing is wrong. And he told her out of love, and he explained it to her kindly. Isn't that what a godly father would do? But as soon as the rest of the family heard what he had done, they became angry with him because they said he judged her. Well, he may have had judgment, but it was based on the scriptures. This is a godly father should do. You see, a godly father does judge. He makes judgments at all the time about what is right and what is wrong based upon what God has already put forth in the Bible. And the godly father tells his children when they've done wrong, and he tells them when they do right. He encourages them, and he challenges them. A godly father expects his children to obey and honor their heavenly father because if they don't, the outcome will be worse for their lives than where they're at right now. Many times... 
a father will think, if I challenge my kid, if I say this or that, then I'm going to run them away. They'll pull away from me. They'll hurt me. Listen to me. The Bible even says you need to correct your children. And if they stray away, they will come back because they know where to go. It is so important for us to not let our children run the household, but let the godly father run the household with the help of the mom. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus lives to intercede for us. You realize right now, Jesus is in the very presence of our Heavenly Father. And he's talking about you by name. It says he always intercedes for us. So even right now, Jesus is interceding for you. Jesus does this because he, he prays for you. He intercedes for you. He wants what's best. That is exactly what a father figure should do. A dad should intercede for his kids. When he sees something wrong, he needs to intercede. When he sees something in his kids, he needs to pray for his kids. When he sees something, he needs to encourage his kids. When he sees something, he needs to be involved in his kids' life. I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes, uh, as a father, we can come home and we're so tired that we just sit down and we just want to rest. But here's the thing. When it comes to your kids, either you're resting or you're investing. It's one or the other. And you've got to make a decision. Well, I bought that PlayStation so you can go play. Let me rest. I got your phone. Go do something on your phone. Let me rest. That's not investing in our kids. See, we don't buy them things and think that's an investment. Our children need us in our lives. And each and every one of us can play a major, major role in our lives. And here's the thing. Even when I have kids, I had no idea how to raise them little things. I mean, I didn't know how to raise those kids. I had to go to somebody else for help. One of the problems of many men nowadays is that we are so prideful we don't want to ask for help. Listen, I will call Sam in a minute. What do I do with this child? This little thing here, I ain't going to tell you everything our conversation is. But guys, we have to be quick to get help when it comes to our children. Not that our children are bad, but because we need help as men. We need help. We need guidance. And one of the best things to do is to look at people who've gone before us and get input from them on how we can do it. And if you are a mom in that situation and you don't have a, a father figure in your child's life, I want to encourage you to, that's why God put men and women in the kingdom. There are brothers here that are still willing to help out as we do what we can do. Let me close with this. Back in 1976, John Ashcroft was elected as U.S. Senator from the state of Missouri. Just before he was to be sworn in as U.S. Senator, he met with his family and friends for prayer. As they gathered around him, he saw his dad trying to get up from the couch. Since his father was now an old and frail man, Ashcroft told him, Dad, it's okay. You don't have to stand up to pray for me. His father replied, I'm not struggling to stand up. I'm struggling to kneel. His father was struggling to kneel, to get on his knees, and pray. Why? Because that's what a godly father does. He continues to struggle for his kids. Fathers, I want to encourage you. Mothers who are the father figure in your children's life, we need to struggle to pray for our kids. Pray for their faith. Pray for them as they go to school. Pray for them as they go to work. We need to pray for them as the world is bombarding them with things time and time again. We need to be men and women of prayer. And once we realize this, it's no longer a frustration to be a parent, but it's a blessing and a joy. Because now you realize you have the ultimate power source with you, our Father in heaven.
And to God be the glory. Amen.